The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Good morning. This morning we're talking about investigating workers' compensation fraud. Workers' compensation Fraud is widespread and occurs in both the private and the public sectors. It costs more than $5 million annually, and it's paid by every one of us who purchase products or services. It's usually committed by disgruntled workers or people in high-risk professions, actually in the, you know, many times in the last five years before they retire. Riley and Jane Parker, a husband and wife team known as Parker & Associates, from Bakersfield, California, are workers' compensation fraud specialists. They're going to share some of their expertise and their case histories, some of their case stories. Before I talk to Riley and Jane, though, I want to recognize a few fellow private investigators out there who assisted me this week with sending me links to various workers' compensation uh, sites for my research. Vicki Seedow, Noreen Fabrini Rustine, Carl Von Lipsky, Martin Taylor, Sandy Ginter, Tom Williams, and Bob Helis. Bruce Brownyard of the Brownyard Insurance Programs helped too. Thank you all. Well, let me tell you a little bit about the Parkers. Riley Parker has over 30 years of combined law enforcement and private investigation experience. He's a licensed private investigator. He's a certified professional investigator and a certified fraud specialist. He's qualified as an expert witness. He has a bachelor's in criminal justice administration and is a post certified. It's a, I believe it's a California process, um, police officer standard and training certified law enforcement background investigator. He holds a certification in workers' compensation law, in traffic accident investigation and reconstruction, and he served with the Bakersfield Police Department for a period of, for a long period of time, um, and is a Kern County, California law enforcement Training Academy graduate. He is a member of the Certified Fraud Examiners, um, the, certif- the Association of Certified Fraud Specialists, the California Association of Licensed Investigators, and he handles complex cases including workers' compensation, disability, embezzlement, and fraud assignments. Then Jane Parker, the other half of this wonderful husband and wife team, is also a licensed private investigator. And she's the research coordinator at the Parker & Associates office. She has more than 15 years' experience, um, professional and private investigation experience. She's responsible at their office for conducting all their pre-employment screenings and executive-level backgrounds. She coordinates the online research, the daily supervision of administration and financial functions, 
is a former fraud analyst, experienced in the telecommunications industry. She was an auditor for a major workers' compensation carrier. She holds a bachelor's degree in liberal studies and certification also in workers' compensation law, also a certification in human resource management, and is also post-certified law enforcement background investigator. She's a member of the California Association of Licensed Investigators and the Society for Human Resource Managers. That's a long introduction, Riley and Jane. Welcome to the program, PIs Declassified. Thanks, Francie. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Riley, let's start out by just, um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about how you folks even got involved in specializing in workers' compensation fraud? Well, Francie, for me it occurred... um, simply because in my experience in law enforcement, I observed many times people, um, particularly in the latter stages of their careers, filing claims um, for benefits for injuries sometimes that had occurred many years previously. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes those were legitimate claims. They were, they were issues that were well-documented, um, and there was no, no question in anyone's mind that they were legitimate. However... There were also times when these claims were being filed. There were going to be about uh, injuries that there was very little that anyone could do to determine whether or not that injury actually existed. And it became known within the, within the community of law enfortunement as retirement enhancement. Retirement enhancement? the last five years, you know. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you end up with a portion of your retirement paid. It's uh, not taxable. I, I didn't like that. I, I thought it was wrong. It is wrong. It's it's fraud, and and uh, that that's how I began to pursue this, conducting those initial investigations. Well, is part of it too that that people in their last five years, particularly in these high risk professions, law enforcement, firefighters, some of these others, are they concerned about getting injured, uh, really injured, killed, perhaps, and they want to Absolutely. be protected? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. there are many times those claims. I mean, I would say that the majority of those claims are very legitimate. They, you know, and they are seldom questioned. Um, it's the ones that are obvious, um, and and they do come up. They're they're not as frequent now as they were several years ago. But that's that's what first attracted me to this was investigating those that were so obvious. They were blatant, mm-hmm. and and they were frankly they were offensive to the people that really had been injured. Sure, absolutely. So what is, what is workers' comp fraud, Riley? Well, workers' comp fraud, or, or any insurance fraud, is, is a fraud that occurs when someone knowingly lies in order to obtain some benefit. Or and sometimes it's an employer or someone knowingly denying a benefit that's due. And those are the, you know, it's the lie that always constitutes the fraud. Mm-hmm. And depending on whatever the specific issue might be, um, a wrongful act like that can be handled um, by the Department of Insurance as an administrative issue, or it can be handled by their uh, fraud division as a criminal matter. And what kind of benefits can a person, you know, say, for instance, I wanted to go out on an injury from my job and I pretended that I got hurt. What kind of benefits could I expect? 
Well, in the, in the public sector, uh, the benefit is going to be nothing more than a payment of a portion of one's income for a long period of time during disability, um, temporary disability or permanent disability payments, but it could be extended um, in extreme cases, could be extended into a lifetime benefit, literally a, you know, for the remainder of your life, a, a major portion of your salary that you had been receiving would be paid to you. And that's going to be tax exempt. And, and of course, as well, there's going to be medical treatment provided, mm-hmm. um, and possibly even vo- vocational retraining, if necessary, for the employee, employee down the road. Sure. Okay. Okay. And so, how widespread is this fraud? <laughs> Francie, I, I don't think that anyone can really answer the question. I mean, uh-huh. There are only the best estimates. Um, but if you consider an employee, an employer, a legal provider, a medical provider, uh, pharmacies, the underreporting of wages that can go on, uh, it, is, it is absolutely huge. It does represent a $5 billion minimum estimate or the cost of it. Uh, and in California, we have one of the highest uh, highest rates of what those costs can be. Those things have to be passed back into society. Of course, everyone gets to pay for them. How widespread it is, though, is nothing more than a best guess. There is literally no way that we know. Right. That makes sense. I remember um, a number of years ago uh, at my office we had... Um, our office manager had been injured on a job um, and, and retrained in secretarial and um, computer stuff and all that. All that, and they were uh, the insurance company was adamant about going after her, and she was really injured. She had a real serious back problem, and uh, they contacted us several times. Interestingly enough to get try to get us to say something that was de- would be detrimental to her and she did end up getting getting lifetime medical benefits so i can see how that would be extremely costly if you had numbers of those for an insurance company well it is and and obviously every insurance carrier you know has literally thousands of insureds and they have thousands of claims annually um and the, the, how many the cases program, workers comp insurance program you know has a very specific purpose and that's that's to to be there for the welfare of the wage earner who is legitimately injured Absolutely. and when a person is injured the fact that they can return to some other type of work doesn't change the fact that they were legitimately injured in one place and they were incapacitated in one degree you may be able to be retrained then to a different kind of profession but unless that profession is going to take you to the to an income that it matches or exceeds um, what you were prior, you know, previously earning, then you are still entitled to a benefit. I see. Okay. Well, and absolutely, workers workers need to be protected. And you can think of all kinds of reasons where somebody might get injured um, on the job that isn't negligent that isn't negligence on their part. Yes, happens every day. And even if it is, even if it is negligent, they're, if they're on the job or they're doing something that's job-related, even if they do something negligently, wouldn't they still be covered by workers' comp? Yes, negligence, yes. However, 
if there are there are acts that um, you know that if they do something like be an aggressor they 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 get engaged in a fight they are the initial aggressor they are not covered then for injuries that they might sustain oh i see another okay. example of that would be also if the employee is um intoxicated either from alcohol or controlled substance um that is not a covered injury then okay so that if they were uh, under the influence of some kind of substance, then that would not be considered. Correct. Correct. And how would that be proven? I guess, um, I guess hospital records, maybe. Well, most employers now, Francie, the immediate thing, you know, I report an injury. Um, the first thing that's going to happen is, as my supervisor, employer, whoever it is, is filling out that initial accident report. Um, the next thing they're going to do is see that I'm taken for immediate medical care. And there should be in place a mechanism there where I'm immediately tested for drugs and alcohol. Okay. This is a part of the initial assessment of the injury. I see. So when is it that you get notified? After the insurance company gets a claim? Yes, and, and ordinarily, so far down the road that we have to go back and reconstruct events, yes. But, I mean, we would we would like to be called in immediately when there is a suspicious claim. That is just not ordinarily the case. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's happened to us on a few occasions, but generally by the time we're seeing a claim, it's already 30, 45 days old at that very best case scenario. Sure. Now, don't some companies have a process where immediately upon an injury they notify uh, a group that has investigators to send them in to investigate. Seems like I've run into that occasionally. Those do exist. They are they are just not the commonplace thing. And the, it's probably expensive for the company as well. Of course it is. Sure. I mean you're literally maintaining you're you're maintaining some kind of a relationship, not unlike you would have an attorney on retainer. Mm-hmm. You're going to have some either an SIU, a special investigations unit, or an investigative staff on retainer. Available immediately. Those obviously they're an expense. Sure, sure. So when you we're talking about investigating something that's forty-five days old, um, I would think, for lack of a better word, the crime scene has been disturbed. Ordinarily, yeah. When when I have have gotten these kinds of calls, Francie, where it's immediate, generally it involves some horrific incident, accident maybe even the death, and, and everyone recognizes that this has to be preserved and it has to be seen immediately. Mm-hmm. You need the photograph now, not six weeks from now, when everything has been removed and in some cases completely destroyed. So, so we do have it happen whenever something has occurred. You know, it may be a 24-hour business. It happens at 3 a.m. I mean, I have had, the, I have had that situation where at 6.30 the phone's ringing and I'm on the way out the door. That's how we would like to have it in a perfect world. In a perfect world, for sure. It doesn't happen often. Okay. You're listening to California Private Investigators Riley and Jane Parker discussing workers' compensation fraud. We'll be right back after a break. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! 
If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Riley and Jane Parker have been telling us some of the um, astounding statistics associated with workers' comp fraud and, and some of the, um, the protocol con- uh, concerning workers' comp fraud. And, Jane, I wonder what other exceptions an employer might have as it relates to um, workers' compensation and workers' compensation benefits. Well, if it can be proven that the employee has been involved in horseplay, while at the job, that would be a benefit that would not be then extended to him. I'm sorry, involved in what? 
horseplay. Horseplay. Oh, okay. Okay. Just goofing around, throwing things at each other, you know, doing, jumping over people, those kinds of things. Um, Does that happen I, often where people jump over people? <laughs> Francie, you, you can't, uh, you can't, can't believe it, right? carts to race through the building. <laughs> yeah. Um, suicide is not an extended benefit or a covered benefit unless the suicide would be directly related as far as the reason the person did that um, to the work environment. And that's really a, a big stretch. It's very difficult um, to be proven. Um, anytime the employee is involved with off-duty recreational sports, um, those are not going to be covered injuries unless it can be proven that the employee was there because the employer forced them in some way, either you know, non or spoken or non-spoken way. Um, and then the last one that I think is really um, interesting is if the employee does a willful self-infliction of the injury. Okay. Is that hard to prove as well? Um, it depends upon how many times or how much other employees have witnessed the action and if they are willing to come forward. Mm-hmm. And we have a great example of self-inflicted injuries. Oh, happened. tell us about that. Sure. We, we, we had locally a furniture manufacturing plant that was uh, preparing to close because they were relocating out of state. So hundreds of people were going to be put out of work. And... Uh, what what was occurring? We were and we were able to prove this because of the uh, the statements that we were provided by folks who had witnessed the activity. But one worker was training other workers how to go into the restroom area uh, after the restroom had been mopped, and they would get themselves up onto the top of the sink and then fall off backwards onto the floor. Mm. Uh, and then report that they had slipped on the wet floor surface. You're talking about, talking about they actually stood on the sink? Yes. And fell well, backwards. The body weight then was, you know, what is it, 32 inches off the uh, the floor. They would fall off backwards. A couple of them were injured very seriously. I, I don't sure. think they realized that when you hit the head against concrete, there's there's consequences. What was occurring was they were attempting to then induce injuries to their shoulders, their arms, elbows, those kinds of things. Um, and, and it was rampant. I mean, we, we had several of these filed just in a matter of days where people alleged that they had slipped on a wet floor. Hmm. And it was only through witness statements that we were able to find out that this was all being, you know, it was contrived, and it was because they were in fear of being out of work. They figured that they'd be better off with work comp benefits. Now, that sounds like a criminal act. for criminal charges filed? It is criminal act, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, indeed. And, and that is another exception to being able to um, actually receive benefits, is if the employee has been in the commission of a felony or a crime that's punishable under penal codes, then, then that is not something that they are going to be, let's say that you had an employee take a gun when he was out doing some type of work for the employer, and tried to hold up something, but he and some, you know, different store, and he ended up being injured through that process. Then he is not going to be extended benefits through. The I'm just company. amazed that an armed robbery while you're on on the clock is not covered. 
No. Very good. <laughs> well amazing. Said. That's the short version. Yeah. 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 Armed robbery while on duty at a different it, it job is work. not a covered event. No. Yeah. Okay. No. But it happens. <laughs> well, and then the last one that I can think of is a post-termination claim where the employee, after the fact, comes back, possibly a disgruntled employee, the fact that they're no longer you know, working for the employer, and they file a claim um, that does not have anything to do with what had happened during the time they were at work. And the exception to that is that if an employee finds that they've got a cumulative trauma injury that occurred over a period of time because they were either sitting at a computer or working at some kind of a station where mm-hmm. they were doing the same type of activity over and over and over, they have uh, up to a year then to go ahead and file that claim. I see. And then, then it's a mood issue for them. Well, if it can if it can be actually determined that indeed it was something that was caused through the the course of the employment, or was aggravated, it could even be a pre-existing injury that the employee had, and then the employer hired them to be in a position that aggravated that existing injury, whether the employer knew about it or not. Those are called cumulative trauma claims, and. Um but you can enter into a whole new world there where it can be apportioned, where a portion of it applies to this employer, some went to the prior employer, those kinds of things. But that's a whole nother world. <laughs> okay, so that's interesting. So so say um, I went out and injured my knee playing softball, and it, it got better, and then I came to work and then twisted it during the time I'm, I'm in the office. That would be a workers' comp claim? Maybe, maybe not. I I would assume if it was something that happened while you were at work that probably most employers would not fight accepting that claim, mm-hmm. and the insurance carrier would most likely see that as something that was compensable. Well, and some I'll bet some seem to be the amount of the benefits and how long the benefits go on, whether the they'd be challenged or not. Correct. It, it can affect, yes, it could affect whether or not it's going to be challenged and, and how how strongly it's going to be opposed. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone, if you can see that someone's returning fairly quickly, uh, sometimes sometimes there's an impression that we shouldn't spend good money after bad, and if I can see that you really are going to return six weeks from now, uh, probably I'm not going to fight very hard as an employer, but if mm-hmm. I can see that you're headed down the trail where, I'm, I'm going to be subsidizing your retirement, then probably I'm going to fight. Or if this is the fifth workers' comp claim in the last two years, you might look at it a little bit differently. Look at, oh, we might look at that a lot differently. A lot differently, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, um, so, Riley, what is the first thing, or Jane, what is the first thing you folks do when you get a call about a claim? Well, the very first thing we would ask is to provide us with as much information about the um, employee as far as their date of birth, their social security number, their driver's license number, full names, all of those kinds of things, and, of course, good contact information um, with address, telephone number, etc. And when we set up the file, we go in and do research just so we have a better understanding of where that employee currently is in the grand scheme of things. We, we have found that no one really lives in a post office box. 
but you'd be surprised how often that's the only information we're given. It's hard to fit into those little tiny it's, cubicles. It's really difficult, yeah. yeah. Interesting. So once we've done the research, um, and, and when I say research, we look at where they are as far as previous addresses, and then we go in county by county and look to see if they've had criminal and civil filings. Um, we will often check drivers, um, the, you know, DMV kinds of um, records to see if suddenly they've lost their ability to drive because they've had three DUIs, mm-hmm. which of course would affect their ability to manage to come to work. Or For sure. That doesn't always. Um, and once once we have a clear picture of where they are at that point in time, then I go ahead and pass the file to Riley. One of the things we found, um, we had a very in- interesting um, search. Riley, hang on just a second. We need to take a break. Could you, oh, would you well, mind? let's do that. All right. Um, stay tuned, folks. My guests are husband and wife, team Riley and Jane Parker. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. IRB Search is simply the best online data provider for locating people, businesses, and assets. IRB Search gives you strength in numbers. With one click, you can access billions of records. Even with partial information on your subject, IRB Search instantly returns current and past addresses, phone numbers, and more. Call IRB Search today at 1-800-447-2112 to sign up. Mention PIs Declassified and you'll receive a two-week trial of 100 free searches to get started. Call one 800-447-2112 to find out why IRB Search is simply the best. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. 
Parker team, Riley and Jane, are giving us tips on investigating workers' comp fraud. Riley, I interrupted you. You were saying, what was it again? Well, I was, I was about to tell you about a, an incredible incident, why, why a person had filed a workers' compensation claim at the time that they did. This individual had a legitimate injury a long time before this happened. But uh, suddenly he went to the doctor again and was taken off work. He knew very easily that he would be taken off work by simply telling the doctor he was experiencing similar problems as what he had had before. So the doctor took him off work for 30 days. Well, the motivation for his doing so turned out to be the fact that he had a 15-day jail sentence to serve in an adjoining county. Oops. Yeah, great reason to be off work. I mean, that, that was the true motivation behind bringing this old claim back up. And, and how did you ferret that out? Thing. Huh? How did you ferret that out? Oh, well, Francie, we're investigators. That's I know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's our job. Well, it's, that's actually, that's, uh, that's very creative thinking out of the box. Yeah, well, you have thing. to look at, I mean, it's the reason the first time we do a claim on someone, we try to find out everything that we can, discover the information. Um, if if a person knows that they may be laid off, they have motive to file a claim. Mm. If they know that they may be facing um, termination, sure. you know, maybe, or 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 some sort of of workplace issue where they may they may be reduced in in pay, those kinds of things, suspended, then they have motivation to file claims. If they've been arrested and um, they're going to have to do 10 days in jail, of course they have motivation to come up with a reason to miss work so that the employer doesn't know. I mean, it's my job to find that out, and I try to always do that. Sure, sure. Uh, I, I had a, a circumstance where I interviewed a man at his home. He was on a couch. Uh, he was reportedly bedridden. Present was his mother who was telling me about how she has to help him to the restroom. He can't do anything for himself. The following day, surveillance of the same person um, showed him operating a jackhammer, breaking up asphalt. So mm. there, there's a reason you do things in a, in a certain manner. There's a reason you, you get the statement first before you begin the surveillance. There's just a lot of things that go into this, and frankly, we've learned a lot of it just by trial and error. Sure. Well, you know, like also, you made a good point. Trial and error comes... Uh, your work comes from many years of experience, probably both as your position in law enforcement and uh, as an investigator. And, and I trust no one. And you trust them. <laughs> well, as Reagan says, trust but verify, right? That's, that's correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, you had another uh, situation with a plumber. Oh, we did. We had a fascinating case several years ago that involved a a. A plumbing company owner had been estranged from his father for many years. The father suddenly reappeared, wanted to be a part of his life again, and the the owner of the company hired his father, who needed a job, uh, to work for him. A few weeks into the employment, father, who was in his mid-50s, filed a claim saying that he had injured his wrist um, to the extent that he could not work. Um, the son just knew because this was a father he had not trusted for 30 years that had suddenly come back in his life. He knew that he had to find out why. 
he brought us into this thing. Within a couple of days, we were videotaping this fellow. What he had done was establish a relationship with a home builder who was a client of his son, and he was now out doing the initial plumbing. It's called the underground plumbing. Mm-hmm. And being paid in cash. Okay. It was the it was the first case we successfully prosecuted for workers' comp fraud. Interesting. And, uh, it was a learning experience for all of us, but it was fascinating to find out how someone will rip off even their loved ones, even their own family. Well, and, and I really love how he was arrested. You need to include that, Riley. Well, I suppose I do. The the district attorney had issued a warrant for this fellow's arrest, and then they could not find him. Um, he was he was somewhat transient. But I was able to find out through the workers' comp carrier that the fellow had a medical appointment set for a specific date. So I, I set up on the uh, the medical facility, and when he arrived there, uh, I contacted the DA's office who sent their investigator to make an arrest when he came out, served the arrest warrant. The interesting part of the whole thing was the $7,000 cash they found in his possession from an armed robbery ah. over on the Central Coast. Uh, oh so it turned into just a fascinating series of events. But we, we find that people that commit workers' comp fraud um, oftentimes are engaged in other kinds of criminal activity. Huh, isn't that interesting? Fascinating, Riley and Jane. Um, so fun. do you have um, tips that you can give business owners that may be listening that how they can cut their workers' comp costs? Probably the first case is to know who you're hiring and how I'll pass that to Jane. One of the things we will tell an employer is if you hire without doing any kind of screening, you're just throwing things up in the wind and hoping that they land right. Um, Oftentimes, employers will say, I really thought they were just steadfast and a great possibility. And then when we go in and do the research, which... um, is time-consuming and it's pretty broad-based. As I mentioned, we look to see where the employee or prospective employee has lived, and we go in county by county to look at criminal and hopefully civil filings as well. Um, When we have positions where they're going to be handling money or making the kinds of decisions or having check signing capabilities, we also encourage our employers to go ahead and, and let us do the Experian credit report. Um, and then we provide them all of the information that is gleaned through this so they can make what we call an informed decision. And that, that truly is the most important thing I think employers can do to start with with an employee, that and drug screening. Right. And, and can you um, check and see if they have prior workers' comp claims? We can, but it's on a post-offer capability. Once the employee has been told that they are going to, you know, an offer is being extended to them, um, and they realize that, then the employer then can come back to us, and we can run what's called an edX search, which will provide to us who or what has happened as far as litigated claims for that employee. Um, And you cannot do this for every employee. Employers that have employees that are out doing physical labor, have specific kinds of, um, you know, heavy lifting to do, those kinds of things, where the employer is 
is certainly putting the employee in a position of you know possible injury later. That that is something that's permissible for that employer to be doing. Mm-hmm. So we only have a couple of employers at this point in time that actually do that kind of research, but it it is very helpful. And do you have to have a release from the employee to yes. do that? Yes, we have a very specific release that um, is governed through the Fair Credit Reporting Act, and it's very specific. I mean, from the size of the type down to exactly what it should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, we maintain those records in our files, and as well, we tell our employers you need to maintain all of those records, including the release, um, as a part of the employee's file. I see. And, I, and I'll bet you find that many businesses don't have a workplace safety program or a manual that details the rules and the safe work practices. Is that true? I, I find some, Francie. The, um, the document I think you're referring to is the illness and injury prevention uh, plan that businesses of a certain size are required to have. I, there was a time when it was common that people did not have that in place. I cannot think of any employer that I have been to in recent years, though, that has not had that. It may be really? something that needs updating. Oh, that's good. There. We, we are in an area where there's a lot of oil field work, that and agricultural work. And those employers, for the most part, are really very savvy, have done the work that they need to do to make sure that they're giving their employees the safety training and, and ongoing um, updates so that they're making sure that they're meeting the provisions and keeping in a safe employment workplace for them. Okay. And then um, a lot of them also have uh, return, some kind of return-to-work programs so they can they can come back to work on a, a limited work schedule or limited duty or something like that, correct? Correct. Yeah, many, many employers, well, you know, they have a strong motivation to have that employee back, even if he's sitting in a, uh, I mean, literally, if you're sitting at a table in a conference room sorting paper clips and I'm paying you your base pay rate, it is better oftentimes than having you off on a workers' comp claim uh, which then becomes something that affects my what's called XMOD or experience modification rating. And that experience modification rating is what drives my costs for workers' comp insurance. Mm-hmm. So if, if you are capable of returning to some form of modified work, uh, it's my best interest then as an employer to, to make that happen. We also have a circumstance where we have large employers they will always have a return-to-work program in place, and the objective is to get that person back as quickly as possible um, to any job that they're capable of doing. And, and generally the employee, I mean, a sincere employee, wants to be back at work. And, you know, uh, a lot of times questions come up about independent contractors, and if an independent contractor doesn't have insurance and you're employing them, uh, for instance, say somebody a cleaning company that's working in your building or a roofer or uh, anyone else that is an independent contractor, you're responsible for that uh, workers' comp insurance, aren't you? Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. I don't think that's widely known. It's not. And if you have a housekeeper coming in to clean once a week, you're responsible for that person. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So um, are there any other pointers you could give 
employers that they that might help them? Well, knowing who you're hiring in the first place is the most important thing, I think. The next thing is to always be alert as to activity going on in your workplace that may cause someone uh, to have a motive for filing a claim. Also, to know to know enough about what's going on with your employees without being too intrusive in their lives to know what else may be affecting them. Um, is is my is my psych issue the fact that I am so stressed? Is it really associated with work, mm-hmm. or is it associated with what's going on in my personal life? Sure. Or is it a combination of all of those things? Awareness of what's going on in your workplace is just crucial. Well, I suspect a lot of stress can... claims come from those, don't they? Yes, yes. they do. Yeah, and uh, I. I know California is very strict about requiring workers' compensation insurance if you have any employees at all that aren't, uh, you know, the owners of the company or the uh, uh, family members. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, but frankly, people are really taking a huge risk if they're going bare without ins- workers' comp insurance. Even, I mean, other than violating the law, of course. They're taking a huge risk um, to take care of somebody that's injured. And, you know, that can extend even to the company that comes in and does your gardening. Mm-hmm. If you have a, a gardeners that do not carry insurance, workers' compensation insurance, and one of their workers gets injured while on your property, then the homeowner will then be required to go ahead and, and cover whatever it is that occurred. Um, and they will do that through a number of ways, and one of them, of course, is through the homeowner's um, insurance that covers the house, but then they also can require that they go ahead and pay through the workers' compensation system for that whatever you know type of treatment or um, post-injury kinds of things that need to be done. Great. Okay. Uh, you know, it's it's scary because all, I would think that many people have uh, folks coming to work on their property at their home uh, and all kinds of disciplines that uh, aren't covered by workers' comp insurance. That's absolutely true. And, and Francie, there is, there is a system set up in California that's called the Uninsured Employers uh, Program, and that's, that's a program where a certain portion of monies are set aside uh, that when a person is injured and they, they learn then that the employer does not have insurance, there's a mechanism in place to provide for the care of that injured worker. Mm-hmm. But ultimately then, they are going to be looking through something called subrogation. They're going to be looking for other people to pick up those costs. And one of those people is going to be you as the business owner who hired someone and did not require a certificate of insurance or as a homeowner who who brought in someone working on your property, they got hurt there, the liability extends to you. It's not all, there is nothing that is is always, you, you, you can't simply say that in every case that's going to happen, but there are times when it can, and, and literally it could cost you, your assets are at risk. All right, that's, um, that's the voice of Riley Parker back after a commercial break.
news, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday. Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Private investigators Riley and Zane Parker discussing the business of investigating workers' comp fraud. Riley, you were telling us a story uh, during the break. I'd like our listeners to hear that story. It's amazing. Well, yeah, Francie, we, we had a situation where back in 19, 
99, we were hired for the first time to do some surveillance work on a case that started, a work comp case that had started in 1993. Uh, That case remains open to this day, has never never been been solved and resolved. The the claimant, uh, every time they're close to a final settlement, uh, she will literally have expanded uh, injuries and symptoms. It, It starts a new life of its own. And during the process, I mean, there have been many efforts by attorneys to try to bring this thing to a resolution. And what she will do at that point, then, this, this particular person, is file lawsuits against anyone involved. Mm. I, I think that we are the only people who have never been sued during this process, and I'm not sure why. We have been accused of doing things that would make us sound something like, uh, you know, a bad a bad segment of uh, CIA activities so that we've been accused of chasing her on the freeway and our black vans and, you know, the whole kind of thing. And mm-hmm. we were able to prove we weren't within four hours' drive time on the day of the accusations. But uh, there, are, there are strange things that can occur. Um, that is such an unusual case, but literally still open 17 years down 17 years. And you yeah. know that that's cost the employer a huge amount of money. The legal fees alone are in the in the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Well, and that and that's something we really didn't address uh, particularly is the cost to the employers is is huge, uh, whether or not they have workers' comp insurance. Absolutely, if yeah. there's a false yeah, claim, you defend the claim. In this case, it's a self-insured uh, employer, so yeah, it's right out of pocket. Yeah. There's another thing we haven't talked about at all, Francie, and I'd like to make this point. You talked about clues that we could give to employers. Uh If an employer has reason to believe that they have an absolutely fraudulent um, claim or if they think that person is, uh, you know, overstating their injuries and the workers' comp insurance carrier is not following up on it, not doing the things that would discover that, then an employer does have the right to hire an investigator themselves. They can hire them directly. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not normally what we would recommend or what should be done, but it is available to employers, and and employers are not generally aware that they have that right. They don't have to depend on the insurance company representing them. Or or they can even ask the insurance company to hire a specific investigator or company that they are familiar with. One of the Mm -hmm. things that we find is that often insurance carriers will send in investigators from out of area whether it's to do the actual interviews for the claim or to do the surveillance. And it just doesn't make good sense because that investigator coming from an outside area is not going to be familiar with the industry that's involved usually or very often, nor if they're doing surveillance. They certainly don't know how to make their way around town and be able to keep the person in, in view. Sure, but you know, I can see the I can see a company thinking to do that because that would take the politics out of um, the situation if if there if there were politics. Indeed, that could happen. That that's true. Where we see it can be a real issue, though, is when someone comes in to do surveillance, and every area is is totally unique. I mean, I would never try to go to downtown San Francisco because I simply don't know my way around and would not know how to fit in in the environment. Sure. Um, here locally in our community, um, what you don't want to do is show up from uh, 
the big city and find out that you're in the country boy right. neighborhood. <laughs> it's a pretty dangerous place to be. Correct. Right. All right. Well, you know, we're... We're at the end of our show here, Riley and Jane. Thank you for joining me. You've shed some light on this far-reaching issue of worker compensation fraud. If you want to know how to reach the Parkers, go to my website at www.pisdeclassified.com under the show title, or you can always send me an email at francie at pisdeclassified.com. My featured sponsor this week is the Brownyard Insurance Programs. They provide security guard, private investigation, burglar, fire alarm, access control, CCTV, background screening, armored car, courier companies, and just recently added law enforcement agencies. They represent some of the biggest and best insurance companies in the country on an exclusive basis. Contact Bruce Brownyard or Pamela Van Cott there for your insurance needs. Their ad can be found at PIsDeclassified.com or you can contact them directly at 1-800-665-7304. 1-800-665-7304. Next week, the topic will be Detective and Investigating Employee Fraud, The Enemy Within. And on December 23rd, I have a special treat, the controversial Maricopa, Arizona's Sheriff Joe Arpaio. Tune in again as we declassify more real stories from real investigators every Thursday morning, 12 noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. It's P.I.'s Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to P.I.'s Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel.